Amen. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 18, first six verses, if you have your Bibles. I'm reading from the New American Standard. New American Standard in Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 to 16. Praise the Lord. The Bible says this, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I shall announce my words to you. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something on the wheel. But the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter. So he remade it into another vessel, as it pleased the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as this potter does, declares the Lord? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Oswald Chambers said something. He said, the the one aim of the call of God is the satisfaction of God, not a call to do something for Him. And I think there's a lot in that statement that that God will be pleased that it's all for God's glory and honor. And we always want to do something. We have to pretend that we have to perform for God, for Him to be pleased. But we should just yield ourselves and let Him glorify Himself through our lives. Now, there's a lot there, and you can think about that, but, but I think it's an accurate statement. And there are questions that we all ask, right? Even as Christians, why am I here, right? And that's what everybody asks. Why am I here? What am I doing here? And if there's a reason for why I'm here, what is it? We're trying to figure that out. And we search so hard and sometime in so many ways. And as we've heard in sermons and we've heard throughout studies and through the Scripture, we're here to glorify God. That's why it's all for the glory of God. And you know what? In our searching and even in pinpointing our specific purpose as individuals, even as Christians in this life, along the way, We mess up. We sin. We lose sight of the purpose of our existence sometimes. But, here's the beautiful thing. God is patient. God is so patient with us. When we get impatient with ourselves, we have to keep in mind and we must remind ourselves that God is so patient. He doesn't just give up and turn around and throw his arms up in the air and then take you and throw you to the side and say, that's it, I I can't handle this anymore. My, My patience has run out. God is so patient. You know, Israel in this text, without the entire history, but very, very briefly, Israel here, Jeremiah has given this word, to the nation of Israel and showing what's going to happen and and what Israel is like. And Israel is this covenant people, right? God has chosen and called them, but they've messed up, if you will. They've sinned. They've, They've broken the covenant. God never broke His covenant with Israel, but Israel broke their covenant with God. And they did it many times. And Jeremiah, throughout all his writings and all his prophecies, reminds his people of that. They've broken the covenant. And when they break the covenant, they lose connection with God. And when they lose connection with God, their purpose is lost. Even if it's for a while, or maybe it's for decades, as was the case in Israel histories many, many times in their history. And we see and we see over and over again how God is still so patient. Now, true, 
This message is for the nation of Israel. When he goes down to this potter's house, it's an object lesson, it's a visual thing, it's real. And God says to Jeremiah, go to the potter's house, that place where a craftsman, a potter, is making pottery and all kinds of vessels that are made out of dirt. Clay, more specifically. The ground. And he's fashioning things that are beautiful. And I imagine that in that potter's house, on the shelves, there are all kinds of different kinds of vessels there that have been fashioned and made exactly to what the potter envisioned them to be on that shelf. Done, baked, glazed, ready to be used. Whatever process there was, they were ready to be used. Look, today, when we read this prophecy, we can take it and look at it and say, when God is asking His people in our text, can't I do the same thing with you? In other words, can't I remake you and start over with you again? And the purpose isn't there. Someone, Yes, He can. It's a rhetorical question that He's asking. But today we must realize that God is not a mean, strong, and destroying God as we would think when we read this parable. Oh, He can do that if He so chose. Absolutely. But it's so easy if we take this parable, if you will, or a picture here, this prophetic picture of Israel and what God wants to do, to identify who the potter is. And it's very clear. God says, He's the potter. Israel's the clay, but by extension. And there's even evidence in the New Testament, and we'll read some of those Scriptures in a moment, that we also are clay in God's hands. All of humanity is clay in God's hands, ultimately. And God is not this mean, strong, and destroying God. And we need to see what Jeremiah saw on his trip to the potter's house this morning. You need to see yourself there as well. Notice, first of all, that we need to see the clay. The clay. That material that the potter was using, we need to see that clay. In verse 3, he says, I went to the potter's house... And I saw him working at the wheel. If he's at the wheel, there's something on it. The potter isn't just sitting there and he's pumping the thing or he's spinning that wheel just to look at it and be like, wow, I'm getting dizzy. Look at that. He's not doing that just for fun. There is something on that will, that wheel. There's, he has a will. There's, there's intention. There's purpose. He has something in mind with this lump of clay that is on top of this wheel. Now here's a beautiful thing when you think about it. And the Bible says that God created everything that we see, right? In fact, He created all the creatures. We were doing this in blast this past week, right? Going through the days of creation and what God created each day. And on the sixth day, He creates man. And Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, the Bible says that the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils and the man became a living person. Here's the thing. Each one of us have been made from dust. No, not some cosmic dust that all was going all over the place and collided and there all of a sudden you were. God, the Bible says that God created the heavens and the earth and it was all there. And then God took, like a potter, back in Genesis, thousands of years ago, and He took this ground and He started fashioning it. I'm, I'm having a vision of, of Thursday night. We had blast. And the kids were at the table and we gave them Play-Doh. I almost brought Play-Doh here, but you know, I'd get carried away and play with it. And, and they were, they, their assignment was, while we were learning about the different days and about how God created Man and woman, man and woman, 
He created, right? Male and female, He created them. He made them, right? And He's creating it. And they were to, they were to take the Play-Doh and on the table they were to make themselves. We got some interesting uh, Play-Doh figures. Let's put it that way, right? Of what, and it's amazing what they envisioned themselves to look like, right? But they did that. It's soft. It's pliable. They could, they could work with that. And so God takes this dust, and I can imagine, and He starts forming it and fashioning it. And it's lifeless. There's nothing there. It's inert. It's just dirt. It's dust sticking together. And then God takes it and He breathes into that. And I remember, and the vision, I'm, I think I'm doing blast all over again, but the balloon that, that, that Katie took, and that balloon as an example, and just filled it up. And now He's a living being. And the Spirit of God is in him. There's so much there. It's not just that he's another animal, but he's a living being where God, the only creation of God, where he breathes into, and the Spirit of God is there, and he's a person. He's a living being, and he's connected with God. He's made created in the image of God, as, as Genesis 1.26 tells us. It's a powerful thing. We have all been made from dust. So we're made of. Ultimately, Right? We have imperfections. Amen? We're fragile. We're dirty. No, not me. Right? We, we have all these things about us. And it's a powerful thing to remember and remind ourselves. It keeps us humble. We're all dust and God created us. In our mother's womb, the psalmist tells us, we've been created there. But we're all made from dust and we have imperfections and, and we, need, we need work, right? But, but God made us. He knows what we're like. And he, the truth is that He's still making us. He's still making us. Because we all are helpless and hopeless. Think about it. And there's evidence in Scripture. And I'll get to that in a minute. But the potter's house Either he's got outside the house or he's got inside the house or his shutters workshop. He's got someplace, a pile, whether outside or inside, of just the clay, just laying there, masses of it. Maybe it's maybe now like these these potters, they get it in bags, right? And they dump it out and it's just sitting there and it's this big lump of soil. And for some reason, he takes a certain amount, whether it's this much or whether it's this much. And he takes it out of there. It's not moving. It can't do anything. Nothing's ha- it looks like nothing. It's just, bleh, it's a blob, right? And he takes it and he puts it on the wheel and he starts to do something. And we are all like that in a spiritual sense. And even in our lives, that until the potter touches our lives and he takes us and he puts us on the wheel and his touch affects us, he starts to move on us and shape us. It's an amazing thing because... The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, and there's a parallel, chapter 1, that we were all dead in our trespasses and sins. Without God's touch, even though all humanity can be on that, God has, and we'll get to that in a second, he, he, he uses humanity for all different purposes, for His purposes in the end, whether good or bad, right? He uses that. But when He takes us and He makes us alive, His touch is there, something changes. And actually, in Ephesians 2.12, Paul says that without Christ, we had no hope and we were without God in this world. We were without God in this world. And here we are, this lump of clay. And when God touches us and He breathes His life into us, especially when you place your faith and trust in Him, that's when it happens. He gives you His Holy Spirit. You become living clay. Let's put it that way. 
You're alive. And you're on this wheel and He's working. And, and, and we're talking about Christians here. Even the house of Israel. He chose them. He called them. And He's working on that wheel with us with His hands. Right? And in this moment, He's not just speaking to the clay. He could do that. But He's using His hands to do the work. We all have the potential to be something that God wants us to be when we stay on that wheel and we're on that wheel. But we're all helpless and we're hopeless without Christ, without God's touch in our lives. Now, all of us, every single one of us, are subject to outside forces that affect us. Right? Amen? We are, right? Temptations, people, especially people, especially people, right, that affect us, that, 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 that shape us, that fashion us. And God knows and He allows that interaction and, and His hand is still involved and on that wheel and he's, and, he's, and he's allowing people to come or He brings people and adds them to, to our life. And, 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 and there's a purpose, there's a plan. And it might seem like even in your own life that there's not much there. And I don't know where I'm going to do. I, I can't see things clearly. I'm not sure my purpose is. I love God and I want Him to do something in me. And, and it seems hopeless and I just can't see clearly. Listen, let me tell you something. Out of nothing, from your perspective, out of nothing, something can be formed. Something can be formed. Just that clay that seems like it's inert, it's, it's just dead, it's just soil, there's nothing, there's no life in it. God can do something powerful in your life and make you something amazing in His eyes and for His purposes. And it might seem like, I don't got much to offer. I don't have much. God sees it all and He knows it all. And in our life, when all these forces start to come upon our lives, right? Pressures and temptations and challenges and tests that come, if you will, right? Character begins to shape in our lives as well, and God knows that. Our character is strengthened, right? And we become more defined as time goes on. And the longer we're on, on the wheels of clay, God begins to, to, to make those fine-tuning things, right? I'm getting a little ahead, but I'll get to that in a minute. And it starts to become more and more clear who we are in Christ as we go through life. But here's the thing. As humans, as people, we're different than clay. We're different than clay. I've never heard of clay talking back to anyone. I've never heard of clay just jumping off the wheel. I've never heard of clay writing down a list, a wish list of things. Right? But we, we do that, don't we? Right? We can do that. We have the freedom to choose. We, have, we can think. We can reason out. We can, we can discern what's happening around us. And even if no, we're clay and there's pressures in our life, we can respond in a way that our mind engages what's happening and say, I like it. I don't like it. And then we have all kinds of attitudes or we push back or whatnot. But we can process that way with what we as clay on the wheel are going through. We can have these emotions and we can have affections between the joy, the pain, whatever we're experiencing while we're clay being shaped. What about loss in your life? Those are things that help shape us and God allows to shape us. When God intervenes in our life and when we're on that wheel with His hands on us, we see that we really are clay and we can see His power, His providence, and His grace working through and through in our lives. Amen? We're clay. Plain and simple, 
I, we can talk a lot about this, but we are clay to make it as simple as possible. We are clay, just like Israel was clay in the potter's hand. We are clay in God's hand, in God's plan. We are clay as people, as human beings. But we have to move on because we can't just stay stuck looking at the clay, right? Looking at ourselves. If that's all we do is look at ourselves, we're going to complain and moan and groan. We're going to be stuck in a bad place oftentimes because we think we know, know what's best for us. We need to see the wheel as well. Look at the wheel. We'll get to the potter, but look at the wheel. You've got to look at the wheel that Jeremiah was seeing as well. And this is what the wheel is in a very simple sense, just so we can understand, grasp it, and hopefully when we leave, accept it. Really, as hard as it is sometimes. The wheel is this life and the world that we live in. Let me just stop and say, no, we don't hold and espouse, and the Bible does not allow us to espouse any kind of Buddhist view or philosophy on the circle of life and how it's just this endless cycle. And if you're lucky to get out of it, wow, you're enlightened. And even then, to what? And you don't even know what that looks like. It's this cycle. It's not just a wheel of just going over and over of birth and death and reincarnation, birth and death. It's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about here the life in this world that there's a purpose because the potter has that. And these are the circumstances and events in our life here and now. Whether And those circumstances and events can be a long list of things. It's your place of work. It's your place of work. It's your school, the classroom, the hallways. It's your family. Under your own roof or outside your roof, it's your family. And sometimes that wheel feels like it's spinning out of control. I know none of you have ever been there. (laughs) You've never been there. But it feels like it's spinning out of control. And you don't know what to do, and it doesn't make sense, and it's just you're foggy in your vision, and there's no clarity, and you're just not making sense. And it's, listen, you need to see that wheel. It's not going to stop. While you're living on this earth, that wheel is not going to stop. And listen, sometimes that wheel is also, believe it or not, can be connected to your heredity. It can be connected to your social status. All those things, wherever you are in this life, God knows the wheel that you're on. It's His wheel. He didn't just take that clay, but He also made that wheel that He's working with the clay on it. Listen, it never stops for us. We've heard the expression, oh, life goes on. It does. Life does go on, and sometimes we wish it wouldn't, but it goes on, right? And here's the thing. I know for you, for some of you, and I know myself and in different ways, sometimes when we're on that wheel in, our, in this life that we're living, going through this journey, right? Pieces of our lives fall off sometimes. You ever been there? You know what I'm talking about? I know I'm talking to someone. And it's hard. Where'd that go? What happened to my best friend? What happened to my health? What happened to, that's like a huge chunk of my life. And it's like it just flew off. God, come on, I want it back. And we can all experience those things. And life keeps going on. You have a death of a loved one. And you just wish that the wheel would stop and that could just be brought back sometimes, right? You lose your job. Or you sin and it feels like 
You're all marred again and it's a mess and things are falling apart and you're cracking and other failures in your life. You fail a test, you fail a class, you didn't get your driver's license, you didn't get your accreditation for this or you didn't get your PhD or whatever it is and it's just all falling apart. Life goes on. It's okay. I, 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 don't, I don't mean to, but it does. It's okay. Listen, I, I, not just because we're there in our Sunday morning Bible study, but do I have to mention to you Job? I'm going to mention him. I don't have to, but I'm going to mention Job to you, right? Literally, his flesh was rotting away and falling apart. Right? We looked a few weeks ago, and I mean, he had scabs with worms crawling in them. Right? That's Job's life physically. His family was gone, his possessions were gone. He literally had nothing. And he says something in chapter 33 and verse 6, and we haven't gotten there yet in our study, right? But in chapter 33 and verse, listen to what Job says. I too have been taken from clay. Man, the recognition through all that he went through to understand that that wheel was spinning and spinning and yet he was like frozen in time. He was so in the center of that wheel of all that suffering that he was almost still in the middle because it's flying around the edges, but he's in the middle and it's like, I, I, it's it. I'm just, I'm here. I'm made of clay, God. I realize that. And you can do whatever you want and I can't control this. And God, I, I, you're, you're, you got it. I too have been taken from clay. Oh, don't try to be so steely and hard like a stone because there's a problem with that. When you become like that and you're so tough and I'm like steel and I'm like a rock, you'll never be what the potter wants you to be. He doesn't work with that. He works with clay. Does that make sense? He works with clay. He doesn't work with steel or stone, or a thousand-year-old oak tree. Is there a thousand-year-old oak tree that's really hard? He could. I mean, but he could do it all, right? He, takes, he even takes hearts that are like stone and makes them flush. I get that in a spiritual sense. But you know what? If you think you're all steely tough and you're rock solid, careful. Stay soft. Be clay. That's what he works with. That's how he works. Here's the truth. If there's no wheel... If there's not all this stuff, the circumstances of life that God allows and uses while He chose you and put you on this wheel of life, if there's no wheel, there will never be any shape. You'll just be a blob. I hate to say it that way. But there's going to be shape when the wheel turns and the potter's working. It remains a clump. There's, it's useless. There's no purpose, at least from what we can understand and see. So we have to accept and understand that we need that wheel to shape us in our lives so the potter can use us how he wants to use us. We need to see the wheel. Don't ignore it. Don't run away from it. Don't dismiss it. And don't just say, God, the, the things shouldn't be this way. Don't talk back to God like that. You are where you are, and we've been singing about it because God knows what's going on. He's sovereign, and He has a plan. Which takes us to our last point. We have to see the potter in all of this. We have to see the potter. In verse 4, second part of verse 4, Jeremiah says, So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. 
This is about God Himself. He sings all things about that clay. He knows all things about the clay. And He knows that we are all different. And He has a different plan for each of us. I don't mean outside of Christ. We all need Christ. That's His plan for us, to be saved and to, be, to, to come to, to Him through Christ. But for what we're going to be doing on this earth to advance the Gospel and to glorify Him, we, He has a unique, distinct plan for each one of us. You know what else God sees? He sees that each one of us are marred. We're imperfect. Again, we have stuff. Our character especially. Right? Uh, trust me. If you looked into my heart like God could, and if you looked into my character, it, it's not very gleaming. Yours probably isn't either. We can probably see that there are things that God has allowed us to do and our character has been shaped. But we, we need work. We're not perfect. We've got a ways to go. There's a process. He sees and knows all things about the clay, and He knows that we are different. Look, Psalm 103, verse 14 says this, for He Himself, talking of God, knows our frame. In other words, He knows how we're made up. And He knows that we are weak. And here's the second part of that verse. It says, He is mindful that we are but dust. God isn't treating you too rough. God is not treating you unjustly. God isn't treating you unfairly because the Bible tells us that no matter how hard and how, how diligent God is, if you will, about doing His work on clay on your life, He's still mindful and He knows how weak you actually are. And so He's still a God who's full of compassion and patience and mercy because the verses before this in Psalm 103 tell us that. He's slow to anger and He's full of loving kindness and He's patient and He's gracious. You can find those words in that psalm. And he's mindful. I love that. As the potter, he knows that I'm so weak. And if he crushes me too hard, I'm done. He could do that. But he has full control. And he knows how weak I am. And he knows just how hard to press while that wheel is turning. Have you ever done pottery on a wheel? It's actually fun. I, I tend to be destructive because I'm like, I, you know, I get crazy. But it's fun. It's amazing what you can do, and it's amazing how much clay can stretch out, and it's amazing how much and how many imperfections you can feel on the fingertips on your skin, the littlest bit of grit that shouldn't be there. You can feel it. God does too. God knows the grit in your life, and He feels it, He knows it, and He still keeps you on that wheel. Listen, if He's a God who's in control, let me just propose this for you today, that if He's put you on that wheel, and He's working on you, and if His hands are there, and if He really is in control, and His hands are on you as the clay, you will never slip out of His hands. What kind of potter is that? That he's not attentive, and he doesn't care, and he's not worried about the speed and controlling the speed and, and, and knowing how much pressure. And if he needs more water, he dips his hand, but he's got one going and he keeps it balanced so it doesn't fly off. God will not let you go off the wheel. You will not be lost. God has you. You're in his hands and he's going to keep you in his hands. He's going to keep making you what he wants you to be. That's a powerful, sovereign God who's in control, right? He makes us what He wants us to be. Take note of this. The clay, when it's taken from the ground, think about you and think about, about, about who we are. It's worthless in a sense, just by itself. 
It must be transformed into a usable state. And that is a process that takes time and energy from the potter, doesn't it? This is a perfect example again, as, and I'm repeating from earlier a little bit, of who we are as sinners. We're worthless. And I, don't get offended by that word. But we're worthless as sinners in our natural condition for God's glorious purposes. He still has a plan, but we really are. And God is able to see the vessels that we can become no matter. We're all clay. And therefore, He begins that process that will bring us to a place of usefulness for Him. He digs us out. He dries us up and He washes us clean, right? What is that song we sing? You, something out of the miry clay. You, you brought me out of the miry clay. Right? I mean, I can't sing well. Anyway, but that, he pulled us out of that miry clay. It's nasty, it's dirty, but he dug us out of there and then he's, he's going to do something with that, right? He chose us and he picked us, right? And he washes us. And the next process of becoming a beautiful vessel is that after the clay has been cleansed and processed, it is laid, it's put on that table, and it's beaten with a wooden mallet. <gasps> go! Don't go there. That's not God. He's not, he can't take a wooden mallet and beat me. No, listen. He, he knows what He's doing. He's pressing you. He's shaping you. He's doing exactly what He's supposed to do. He's not out to hurt you. He's not out to destroy you. It's part of the process to, to make you what He wants to be. And the potter does this for one reason. To take the air out. To take the air bubbles out of the clay. Did you know that? Take all the air bubbles out of that. Because if he doesn't, the air bubbles will be there and they'll form a pocket that will produce a weak spot and cause the vessel to be fragile and unusable. And you know what this describes? It does. It describes the trials, the calamities, the hurt that we feel, the sorrow, the pains that we encounter in life. It takes out all those weak areas, the bubbles, and they escape and get out, and we get stronger so that God can have perfect clay as He works and shapes us. Isn't that amazing? I think it's amazing. He controls the speed of the wheel. He is sovereign. He has total control. He uses different speeds. And He allows those circumstances to form us. It's amazing that He takes the time to work with us. And He puts us back together if a little clump falls off because it was loose or weak. And He even sometimes grabs it and puts it back on. And takes out what's no good with it and then works it in. He brings out the wrongs in our lives, right? All the grit. And when we get dry and brittle in our lives and we're on that will because... It just do. The Holy Spirit comes, right? He comes and He waters us and He softens us again so that we're pliable and soft and He can work with us to shape us. It's a beautiful thing. We must remember that the potter controls the speed of the wheels and they only rotate. That wheel only rotates according to His will. Stay on the wheel. Stay on the wheel. I know that it gets crazy and life gets crazy and there's so much going on and we wonder and we question. Stay on the wheel. So often we want to jump off before we're formed into that vessel because we get tired of being on the wheel. On the wheel. God's got you. He won't let you jump off. And when you try, we make things difficult. Right? We can make things difficult. 
But stay on that wheel in your mind, in your spirit. Don't resist what God is doing. And listen, while the clay spins on the wheel, it's never out of contact with his hands, as I mentioned earlier. Constantly shaping and molding. He doesn't just throw you away when there's a problem, when there's there's something he finds that's imperfect. He keeps working. Now, the clay will always, you, will always be a vessel or a product that is perfect for the potter's purpose. I'm going to say that again because I believe it with all my heart. The clay, you, will always be a vessel, or if you want to look at it as a product that he makes, that is perfect for his purpose. Always. I guess you don't believe it. I guess you don't believe it. You will always be perfectly and exactly what God wants you to be for his purposes. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. We should have some more joy because there's so much comfort in the sovereignty of God and his plan, right? It's amazing what he does in our lives. He doesn't throw us away. He might break it a little bit and shape it. Maybe squeezes it really hard and he's reshaping it. You know why? Because we have pride in our lives. We have religiosity in our lives. We have anger. We have bitterness. We have all kinds of things that creep in. And he's got to get it out of us. And he's shaping and forming us in it. And listen, he takes out all the little pieces of grit in the air bubbles. He's patient. He's long-suffering. He gives us another chance and he keeps working with us and we got to accept it and we got to stay on that wheel. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 21, he said, in a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, here's that New Testament connection, but also of wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes and some for ignoble. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master and prepared to do any good work. How in the world can you cleanse yourself so that you could be used for God's purposes, for those noble purposes? One word. Surrender. That surrender comes through admitting that you're imperfect. You've got issues. You've got challenges, but you've got sin in your life. And when you, when, you, when you do that, He cleanses you. He brings more water and he, he softens the hard spots. He might take another tool and He'll take out a little pebble that's there that shouldn't be there. And He starts to work and form you all over again. And He puts us back together and we feel like things are falling apart and He reforms us over and over and over. We don't want to hear that. We want to think that God made us, He saved us, and we're that clay... And we're good to go. Mm -mm. We're not. We're being shaped and reshaped our entire lives while we're here. Being formed and shaped more and more into the image that God wants us to be. And that's in the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. You know what? That surrender is so important. That submission to God. Because it depends on us to give in to Him. Unlike just clay, the actual uh, soil and dirt and the ground physically, we as people who are clay in this imagery and in this picture here, with God being the potter on that wheel and the, the circumstances of life that He controls, right? We have to give in to Him because we can talk back sometimes. You ever talk back to God? 
You ever question God, why He's doing what He's doing? We differ, because we can, we can, again, buck against God. I'm amazing. I'm amazed, I should say. I'm not amazing. God's amazing. I'm amazed at what God, God can do when I think of the Apostle Peter who was not the Apostle Peter, but he got called as a fisherman. And then when he's following Jesus as a disciple, he's a coward and he denies Jesus. And then God restores him. Jesus restores him. And then he becomes the most courageous apostle on the day of Pentecost. And he's a martyr for the Gospel, for the Kingdom of God. He's a martyr. But he went from being a coward to being someone who's courageous. Why? Because he stayed on the wheel. Even when he denied Jesus, he was still on God's potter's wheel yeah he really was because if he wasn't god would have never taken him and said come follow me as a fisherman and put him on the wheel to begin with it's not how god works an amazing plan that he had romans chapter 9 verses 20 to 24 on the contrary paul says Who are you, O man, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, Why did you make me like this, will it? Or does not the potter have the right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for common use? What is God, although willing to demonstrate His wrath and to make His power known, endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, And he did so in order that he might make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy. Hallelujah. Uh, I'll take that. Which he prepared beforehand for glory. And this is what Paul says. Even us. Even us. Even you. Even Bob Geruda. He did that. To make known the riches of His glory upon vessels of mercy, which He prepared beforehand for glory, even us. I love it. Today, before we pray, you might be a raw, or you might be a marred, sinful, dry, rough, you're filled with rough edges, piece of clay. Right? You could be all that. You might be that today. Know that the potter is here. He's present. He'll always be present. He's patient. He's holding you in His hands with a plan and a purpose for you to glorify Him. Life is spinning, right? It's moving forward. It's not stopping. And you can't stop it, by the way, because the potter controls it all. Here's what's left to do. And I encourage you and challenge you to do this. Give in. Give in. Submit. Surrender. Let Him do it. Let Him shape you. Let Him squeeze you. Let Him soften you. Let Him make you exactly what He wants you to be because I promise you that it's always perfect and it's always beautiful. It's always for His glory. Stay on the wheel. Stay on the wheel. Don't jump off. God's got you. Amen? Amen. Lord, thank you, Lord, for this uh, 
prophetic, Lord, illustration with this imagery and with this, this object lesson almost you brought Jeremiah to where you sent him to that potter's house. Lord, remind us today that we are but clay. We are so weak, we're so fragile without you, but we thank you that you did choose us and you gave us your life and that we have the power, the strength of your Holy Spirit in our lives. We have the guidance of your word, but Lord, as we stay on that wheel, God, and as we go through this life and it just keeps spinning and spinning, you're in control. We acknowledge that, we accept that, and help us, Lord, to allow that, to remember, Lord, that you are shaping us to become exactly who you want us to be. Lord, help us today to not talk back to you, to not question what you're doing or trying to do, Lord God, and, and, and resist you and fight against you, Lord God. And sometimes we're tempted and maybe we've had those episodes, but help us to stop our temper tantrums, Lord, and help us, Lord, to just, just give in. So we surrender to you today and we thank you for what you're going to continue to do in our lives for your glory, for our good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Stay on the potter's wheel. Amen.